Welcome to the Enchanted Ears podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Disney. I'm Angela. And I'm Joe. So diving in this week to Disney news, there's quite a lot of Disney news this week. Um, All right. Disney announced quite a few things. It was a a pretty big week. I'm going to kick back in my chair and just hang out and let you talk. Okay, so a couple things are closing at the theme park. So just announced yesterday, actually. Disney announced that Rafiki's Planet Watch. No! No. I didn't even say anything. Maybe I was going to say Rafiki's Planet Watch is taking over the world. No, it is. It's closing. So Rafiki's Planet Watch at Animal Kingdom will be closing at the end of October. So just a little over a month. No. I refuse. I refuse to believe this. So I'm not sure. It's kind of tucked away in the back of Animal Kingdom. You have to take a train to get there. Yeah, we didn't know it was there for but, a while. But but they have a lot of conservation, and you can kind of see how animals are cared for around the world. And you can also meet Rafiki there. Um, but it, it's going to be closing. There's no word if they're going to be moving the Rafiki meet and greet. I kind of think that's they could easily move that to the Festival of the Lion King Theater around mm-hmm. there so you could still meet Rafiki. Yeah. But everything else is closing. So I don't know. They haven't announced anything that's going to replace it. There's been a long-running rumor that Zootopia will be coming to Animal Kingdom. And this has kind of always been the rumored replacement spot. I mean, I'm excited about the Zootopia thing, but I don't want them to get rid of Rafiki's Planet Watch. So right now, if you're drinking anything, pour one out for the homie because this is this is pretty... <laughs> This is a pretty sad moment. I mean, I think Rafiki's Planet Watch was nice, but I don't think it's a huge loss. I mean, you do lose the conservation, which is kind of what Animal Kingdom is about, but you still have so many other animals, and it's still so ingrained in that park that losing that one little section that, like I said, you had to take a train to get to, I'm not sure how often people visited it. I think losing that... And if you, you know, redevelop it for a new land that a lot of people are going to visit even more, you can still have conservation elements or different things like that and still kind of keep the spirit of what was there before, but gain a much bigger audience. So we'll, it remains to be seen, like I said, what's, what's going in there ultimately, but we'll, uh, we'll keep an eye on that. The other big closure uh, over at Walt Disney World is that Illuminations, the nighttime fireworks show at Epcot, will be coming to an end uh, at some point next year. So I think this this has been around for almost 20 years now. I think it's, at this point, Disney's oldest, uh, longest-running fireworks show at the theme parks down there. Are they going to still keep the like the international theme? Like the, yeah. Because so that globe is the coolest part, the globe that like travels around the, the big pond. The lagoon there. The lagoon, right. Yeah. yeah, so they announced that it will be coming to an end, and it's going to be replaced with a new show. And it sounds like it's going to be pretty immediate that illuminations is going to end and then basically i'm not sure if it's gonna be the next day but but rather quickly the new show will be ready to go um and this is another one that's kind of been long rumor that they're they were going to be replacing illuminations epcot is kind of undergoing a a multi-year renovation you have the ratatouille ride coming in guardians of the galaxy ride coming in they've announced that you know they want to pour a lot of money in it to kind of redo the the front of epcot so there's a lot of changes um coming around so it it makes sense that a new fireworks show will be coming in there's been some rumors that they'll they'll implement drones uh in the new show 
and and different things like that. So it should be pretty interesting to see what they come out with. You know, they'll, they'll get a fresh new show for the 50th anniversary. I'm sure it will still include kind of the nations and and um, you know, kind of what what the theme of of Epcot is all about. That's good. So sticking with Epcot, there's been this is and this is a, a complete rumor. So this hasn't been confirmed or anything, but this is a a a rumor that's that's kind of been going around the idea that they're going to bring in India Pavilion. Oh, that would be such a good addition. Okay, that's good news. And the other two, particularly the first one, was bad news. But well, I mean, new, this Utopia will be cool. But. A new, uh, I mean, a new fireworks show at Epcot, I think, is is good. Especially, yeah. if you, especially if you implement drones I mean, and like projection mapping technology, right. they can really update that and do I, a lot. They definitely could, and if they keep a lot of the beloved like. You know, you can implement some of the older elements and update it. Uh, that would be cool. So I, I hope they keep the international theme on that. Oh, I'm sure they will. I, you know, in 20 years, technology has increased greatly. So I think they they can keep right. the theme, but then pull in a lot of their newer features that they use in shows. Um, I mean, they could use water screens, a, a whole, lot of different things, and I think they have a great show. But so the India Pavilion is rumored, and and again, this is kind of. You know, pretty speculative because there's there's always every few years rumors of new pavilions coming in, and I think the the last new pavilion was at the late '80s, and that was the Norway Pavilion. Nah, so it's 80s. Been, yeah, so it's been quite a while. But the the big kind of news with this is that it would be anchored by a major e-ticket attraction centered around the Jungle Book. But with this, the rumor is that they're going to be using the same ride system that they used at the new Pirates of the Caribbean in Shanghai Disney. So it, I don't know if anybody has seen videos of that, but if you haven't, take a minute uh, whenever you get a chance and go on YouTube and look up a ride video of the Pirates of the Caribbean in Shanghai because that is probably some of the most advanced animatronics and screens and kind of whole ride system that I've seen. I mean, the, the Davy Jones animatronic in there looks like a real person wow um so and and, i mean ever since i've seen that i've I've been waiting for them to announce you know an update to one of the pirates rides in the united states i don't think they'll ever do that just because it's such a classic and beloved ride i think people would get very upset if they if they said hey we're getting rid of this whole thing and building it all new but so this is a great way for them to use that with the jungle book to build a new ride, but they could really um, do some incredible things with that. So if they really, mm-hmm. you know, if this rumor turns out to be true, I think that's a great way uh, to get that ride system in here. And it's a, quite a welcome addition. I'd be very excited to ride that. Yeah. Yeah. Jungle Book's not one of my faves, but I think it would be a cool addition. Right. So, and then the last kind of piece of Disney news. So this deals with the movies. Bob Iger announced this week that they're going to be slowing down their rollout of Star Wars movies. So, <laughs> I think that after watching the uh, the Solo movie, that's a good idea. Yeah, and so that's what it, it kind of comes off the heels of of Solo disappointing at the box office and, and kind of being the first flop in the series. But you know, you know, whenever they bought um, Lucasfilm, you know, they announced this whole series of movies. You know, they were like, "We're going to come out with a movie a year for the foreseeable future." Slow your roll. Yeah, everything was going to be good, and then. It, you know, Solo didn't do well, and a lot of people started talking that maybe there's too much Star Wars, which I find kind of funny because 
as huge as this fandom is around Star Wars, people are saying that one movie a year is too much to be in that world. And yet you have Marvel mm-hmm. on the other side here that can do three movies a year and they all make, you know, 600, 700 million. They're the top grossing movies every year. They're always in the top five and they can do three a year now, no problem. And nobody gets tired by it. I mean, they could probably do four movies. I would a year. say nobody, but you're right. They do consistently perform pretty well. I would say there's not there's there hasn't been a true flop per se in the Marvel universe. I mean, even Ant Man that came out this year, Ant Man and the Wasp, it it didn't do great, but it still made two hundred plus million dollars. I I would like to not do great and make two hundred plus million dollars. Right, and it made five to maybe six hundred million dollars worldwide. So that's you know by no means. You know, in the Marvel world, that that's low, but and by no means that's a flop. It was a lower budget movie. They didn't have as big expectations for it. So when you can make a movie like Ant Man and the Wasp, which is the third movie that came out this year, and it still does that well, and then on the other side you have this huge supposedly fandom about Star Wars, but they're saying one movie a year may be too much. You know, it's kind of interesting. I, I, yeah, I just think that that. I mean, Solo was just such a. A misstep. I mean, we said Donald Glover was great as Lando. Lando, and but the rest of the movie, it just seemed rushed. It didn't seem well written. I think that's the problem. I don't think the problem is that one a year is too many. I think the problem is Solo wasn't that great a movie, and it's not. And and one a year that's always around the same characters becomes too many. So that's the thing with Marvel. They come I, out with three movies a year. But it's three different characters. They have different tones. Yeah, you know, it's a different style. Whereas Star Wars, you're either in the you know the the Skywalker saga, you know, a, a traditional episode that comes out every other year at this point, or the other ones they've done has been Rogue One, which has been relate, you know, which was a story that we kind of already knew about, or Solo, which is a character we already know. So I think they need to yeah. expand. Yeah. The universe, and then there won't be that fatigue of seeing the same yeah, characters you, over and over again. I mean, again. particularly whenever with Solo, I mean, he's such a beloved character that they had to be very, very careful with what they did with him. And I, I'd have to say that they really didn't. They didn't make him that likable. They didn't so do anything. It was, it was, it was difficult. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a little bit difficult to swallow him, uh, like as Solo because basically everyone loves Harrison Ford as Han Solo. So, I don't know. Yeah, and what I was going to say was that they didn't do anything new with the character. They basically showed you everything you already knew about the character. So, all the stories you've already heard throughout episodes four, five, six, seven that you already knew, they just showed it to you. There was no, you know, if you're going to do an origin story, you need to show something new and fresh that we didn't already know, kind of explain how he got that way whereas basically it was just hey you've heard these stories secondhand now we're just going to show them to you firsthand and it's not yeah. and it wasn't fresh and it wasn't anything new so exactly. so there's been a lot of talk about ryan johnson developing his own trilogy he's the one that directed the last jedi the creators of game of thrones apparently are working on their own trilogy so i'm not sure and, and nothing has been formally announced about when those were going to you know, actually start shooting or anything like that. So, you know, Disney could slow it down and we would never know. I'm sorry, you said anything. something about Game of Thrones? Yeah, the creators of Game of Thrones are working on their own kind of trilogy. So there's a lot of stuff in the works. So you really brush by that like it's no big deal. 
Well, I mean, they're they're working on it, so it remains to be seen. You know, when these movies come out, if they come out, but I think yeah. you know, as they work on you know, these other parts of kind of the universe, you'll have that. Now, the one thing that is still that's still safe is um, John Favreau is working on a Star Wars series for the Disney streaming service. Okay, and that's still a I'm go. Listening. And that's still a go because that's going to be for Disney streaming. And apparently the budget is something like $100 million for this. For this. So, it, so it, it's theatrical you know, level production quality. But that, that's still going forward. So it's kind of the movies may be slowing down, but, but that will still be moving forward. That's really cool. So they're going to have a bunch of original content on their new platform. Basically, they're creating their new streaming system. Yes. Yeah. And that actually so it appears that we're going to have to get a new streaming system. Yes. And that actually reminded me of another piece of Disney news that came out. Like I said, it, it was a pretty busy week. Um, so much so that I almost forgot this one. But you're welcome. Also, you're welcome. Also announced the well, kind of on the Disney streaming service is that there are talks that Marvel is working on series that are going to follow kind of the beloved Marvel characters that don't already have their own movies. So we're not talking like the Iron Man, Captain America, but this would be like the next level, like Loki or Scarlet Witch. And it will be, you know, Tom Hiddleston or Elizabeth Olsen. It's going to be the actual people that portray them in the movies are going to be Well, maybe you'll get your Vision show. Yeah, you could have have Vision. I don't know if they, probably not the Hulk, because I don't think they can, they have the rights to the Hulk to do standalone stuff. Maybe they could do a TV show. I'm not sure. But... So the idea would be. <gasps> what about one on the Valkyrie? Could, yeah. What about exa- the Valkyrie? Exactly. You could. You could. Do yes. That. I so, got chills. I literally look at this. Look at my. Well, look at my. So under. You, are you going to predict that one? Are yes. You predict that? This this is hashtag Angela the fortune teller predicting a Valkyrie show. So, so the idea will be that there are six to eight episodes. Oh, can you imagine how balling that would be? Okay, I'm sorry. I'm going to stop interrupting you. I'm just so, like I'm just imagining it. And it's about her her fall from grace. Oh, it's so good. Okay. So it would be a great show. So it, the idea is that... Again, Disney, hit me up. I have great ideas. You can hire me. I, I'm i willing. So it's going to be six to eight episode, and it would be like a limited series. So it's not going to be something like that they're doing over at Netflix with Daredevil and Jessica Jones, where they have multiple seasons. It sounds like it's going to be like a six to eight episode thing, almost like a long movie. And again... You know, the rumor is they're going to have production level, um, movie production level budgets. Kevin Feige is overseeing everything. He's the producer that oversees all the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. So it's kind of just a way for them to, one, build out content for this new streaming service to get people to sign up. And two, to kind of, you know, dive deeper into these characters, which, you know, it may not make sense for them to have a standalone movie, but they can kind of do these, you know, limited series runs. So, and the streaming service comes out next year. It's supposedly going to be priced cheaper than Netflix, which Netflix is like ten or eleven dollars a month now at this point. Uh, and then if they get Fox, there's going to be a ton of original content on it. So, if we get Star Wars and Marvel shows, um, I think we're going to get a lot, a lot of people signing up for it. That's just going to change the face of everything. I feel like because we're so used to seeing these things in the movie theaters, to actually have that high quality of TV. I think that that's really going to change the face of the way that we have home entertainment. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, it, you're moving, you know, as people move more towards cutting the cord and streaming everything, you know, Netflix definitely has grown in popularity. And that's why you see the likes of, you know, Hulu popping up after that. 
and then Disney working on their own streaming service. They already have an ESPN streaming service. So as people drop cable, they can buy ESPN directly from Disney. Uh, that is definitely the way the future is going. People have already started testing out releasing movies as in theater and video on demand. So you can pay $25 and, you know, watch a movie at home, you know, kind of streaming it that way. You know, it's like the price of two or three movie tickets. Um, I don't know if that will ever fully catch on because it really is something about seeing a movie on a giant screen. But yeah, definitely with Disney jumping into streaming, I think you're going to see a jump in quality. I almost see them kind of like being like HBO. HBO is always known for very high production quality. You know, they throw a lot of money into it. Disney's going to do that too because they're trying to capture... um, they're trying to capture like all the eyeballs they can, and they have so much intellectual property <laughs> they can make. They can make such great That's content. Such a great visual. I can just see like Disney just like lassoing eyeballs that just are Mickey, rolling across the just ground, Mickey picking them up. Yeah, and then like putting them in a big jar. It's like I love Lucy when she's on the uh, conveyor belt, <laughs> and they're coming too Ooh, fast. But don't put the eyeballs yeah, in your mouth. Them. That's unsanitary. They're chocolate. So. They're chocolate covered eyeballs. They're chocolate eyeballs. Ooh, they're not real. That's no, even grosser. No, they're not real. Oh, it's okay. like Willy Wonka. Okay. Made like chocolate eyeballs, like a bit like a like um Mike Wazowski eyeballs that are you know just not yeah not it's like legit. it's like a Halloween treat. Okay, you know. Okay, I, I like the way we spun this because before that it was gonna give me nightmares and makes me think of my favorite murder and things that appear on that podcast. By the way, great 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 podcast if you enjoy things that will disturb you. But um yeah, <laughs> we actually do have a an actual topic for this week. Um, besides just, just Disney news, I know there's quite a, quite a bit of Disney news, but so this week's topic is kind of the first part in, uh, a series, continuing series that we'll do throughout kind of called the Disney decade. So we'll, we're going to kind of be taking decade by decade. Ooh, you came up with that. Yeah. Good, That's nice. Good alliteration. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So we'll kind of be taking decade by decade, going through some of the you know highs and lows of the Walt Disney Company, Walt himself, throughout the years. So this episode is the first one. So we'll be covering the 1920s. So kind of... The roaring 20s. 1920 to 1929. There were flappers. (laughs) There was Gatsby-ish stuff going on. People were spending a lot of money. So get a little historical uh, historical context. <laughs> I'm remembering here. a uh, a slide slideshow presentation I used to do for my my 11th graders before we started reading the the Great Gatsby, and so I feel like I can use some of this you know this knowledge now, get a little bit of that. All right, thank you. I All think right. I've gotten it out of my system. Okay, so so jumping into this, um, and again the 1920s were kind of the foundational decade. Um, you know, it was the start of the Walt Disney Company, which we'll get into, and it, it really Walt struggled. I mean, the company struggled overall in the whole decade. It struggled early for probably I mean, the first twenty years or so. There was there was bankruptcy. Yeah, really. I mean, until they kind of got to Disney World, I would say the company always kind of struggled financially when they got to Disney. Until they got to Disney World and, and doing television shows, but you know, in the nineteen twenty, we have to be thankful that they stuck with it. Yeah. But in the 1920s, you know, not, no real major movies came out at this point. So, but we'll we'll kind of dive into it. So, kind of starting even before the Walt Disney Company started, um, you know, Walt 
lived in Kansas City and he worked to kind of create ads. So he was always interested in animation and drawing. And so, you know, for a while he did that. But in 1921, the company he was working for started laying people off. So uh, a friend that he had met working of iWorks, um, the two of them decided to get together and started kind of their own animation and company. His, his name was Ub U B B E, Ert, iWorks. I, I I found that. And he shortened really it. And he just shortened it to U B. Yeah, just U B. Yeah, yeah. So, but they decided to start creating. And la- by the way, he's a hottie. Look at his his Wikipedia page. He's My- pretty, pretty good looking. Mm. So. He had a little bit like crazy hair. Like he looks a little bit like. I mean, Tesla. I feel like everybody in the 1920s just was like, "Oh, what is this? This fluff on my head? What should I do with it? I'm just gonna let it do whatever." Well, they didn't have product back then. He had a little, <laughs> he has a little bit of a Tesla look. But... I bet they probably used like tar back then. They were probably like, "Oh, tar, that's good for us." Yeah, baby. But he's <laughs> but he's definitely. I mean, you've probably heard the, the iWorks name. He's he, been an integral part in Disney. His son Don uh, worked for the company later on as well. <laughs> And was a was a huge part uh, of the company as well. But the two of them started this creating what they called Laughograms for the Newman Theater um, in Kansas City. So they created a company called Newman's Laughograms. And basically, and what's kind of important about this is this is where you know Disney kind of looked towards Aesop's Fables as inspiration. So oh, okay. and you know if you know anything about Disney. Basically, all of the early movies were very nice, softened versions. Yeah, Brothers Grimm's tales or, or yeah. fairy tales or things like that. So this is kind of where Walt got Hans the Christian idea. Anderson. Yeah, so he he started studying them, and actually, the first six of them were just modernized fairy tales. So they did pretty well. the The studio was growing, um, but this is a common theme with Walt. He's not really a money guy. <laughs> he could have used you. So well, that's why he had, that's why he had Roy. Roy wasn't around, involved in this venture. And we mean Roy, his brother. Yeah, Roy, mm-hmm. Roy Disney. But he, it's kind. Of, you, you see this a lot in these companies where you have an extreme visionary creator, um, you know, very creative Steve type. Jobs. Yeah, I th- Steve Jobs kind of understood. Steve Jobs was more the business guy, though. Too he he had the vision and understood the business. Steve Jobs didn't really create much. He had Steve Wozniak to actually build the products. Mm-hmm. Steve was more the the business guy. Walt knew how to create the product, but he he did not care what it cost. He wanted it to be. So he's basically the best. like me. Well, I'll be like, oh, I have these great ideas. Now you make them happen. No, he no, he made them happen, but he didn't. Oh, okay. He didn't care. He he didn't focus on what it cost. He wanted it to make it the best product. So he would constantly trying to be trying to improve, try new techniques, you know, where it may have been cheaper to have, um, you know, you maybe use a different technique for painting or to, or animating. To, to go with the status quo. Right. He, he didn't want to do that. So he did the more expensive option, which in turn meant that this company struggled because mm-hmm. the amount of money they were making from these laughograms and, but eventually just wasn't enough. It helped them surge forward, right? I mean, we we're not well, going to get there. I'm jumping ahead. But. Yeah, I mean, not not in this company. So ultimately, I mean, the the Newman Laughograms ended up going uh, bankrupt in 1923 because the the studio grew. They weren't making enough money on the Laughograms because their costs were too high, and animation in general is very expensive. But it was around this time where he started the Alice's Wonderland series. So this this was kind of his early 
um, foray you know, in that, you know, Alice in Wonderland books, adapting that. And this was a mix of live action and animation. So this is another common thread you'll see with Disney. So one common thread is he's not good with finances. Uh, and then the other common thread is he kind of comes up with these technological disrespect. The only common thread is your disrespect. He comes up, he comes up with these technological marvels. Like he, he thinks of these things Mm -hmm. that nobody else thought. So he, you know, in 1923 is putting live action and animation together. He basically came up with enchanted, like, (laughs) well, it's kind of the same thing they did 90 years before. It's the same thing they did in Mary Poppins, you know, when Mary Poppins, they had the the animated and live action, but it's just crazy to think that, you know, instead of just trying to think he was an animator, instead of just thinking of that, he, he thinks of ways to incorporate, you know, other things and it helps it stand out. Yeah. I mean, we watched, I, I was watching a little bit, one of these the other day and I mean, for now it's definitely dated, but if you imagine watching this, these cartoons back whenever they would have come out, they're super fun and really cool. Like, uh, Alice was following around this cat cartoon and they were dumping jumping off of diving boards and then the cat cartoon was doing all, all kinds of crazy things and you're like oh well she's a human she can't do that but then they would animate parts of her too to like make let her do flips and cool things it, it was um it was really cool and and visionary so i i just yeah i actually read in in the biography by neil gabler that i thought you were gonna say neil gaiman no that basically walt uh, would take Virginia Davis was was the girl's name was kind of just take her out and say hey let's go play and imagine things and just kind of you know film her just say hey imagine you're doing this imagine you're doing that and he'd film her and then he'd you know animate everything in there so yeah like you said back in the day it was it was pretty incredible and it actually you know was good enough that they were able to sell it so in 1923 after the Laughograms company closed. He, Walt actually moved out to L.A. because Roy was there recovering from tuberculosis, Aww. and he wanted to, you know, kind of try selling these these Alice comedies. Get well soon, Roy. He he did get better, right? Yeah, he got better. Yeah, and they actually formed, and this is when they formed the Disney wow. Brothers Studio. That's impressive. I feel like a lot of people back then died from tuberculosis. Yeah, so, yeah, he ended up getting better, but they found a distributor, um, Margaret Winkler. She, Henry, Henry's great great grandmother. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Uh, alternative facts maybe but <laughs> so so but but she agreed to distribute the the alice comedies i think it was something like 12 or 1500 dollars um per kind of short that they would get and so but walt again he wasn't prepared to start a studio and you know roy and him they started the disney brothers studio to produce and create these but they had to borrow money from their uncle because they had no money. Like, they weren't ready to do this. Like, they had yeah. a few of these Alice things Jumping made. Jumping the gun a little bit. Right. And, and um, but they, you know, they ultimately got the money. And again, so it's the early years of Disney. And that's what Roy's, I mean, real job was. Roy was the business guy. He was always trying to go out and try to get loans and, and renegotiate fees and do whatever he could to get money just to keep pouring it into Walt's vision. Because Walt <laughs> would just spend it until he thought you know the 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 cartoon or the movie or anything until it was right and so yeah. it was kind of roy's job just to make sure they had enough money to, to keep the lights on i bet that caused a lot of fights between the two of them i mean i would imagine 
He's probably like, Walt, well, rein it in, rein it in. Yeah. And Get I, control. And I think, I mean, ultimately, it, it always seemed, like you said, to turn out in the end. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they worked together in, until the very end. And I think they were, I think they were pretty close. I mean, I'm sure they did. Yeah, you would have to think it, it caused, um, you know, some problems when did, when did, they're barely scraping by and, you know, Walt's spending all, all this money. So Did Roy ultimately outlive Walt? I don't know. Yes. Yeah. yeah, he did. Yeah, he okay. did. Jumping way ahead. Yeah, I was just, just curious. So, but yeah. Why uh, do you mean Walt's not still alive? <laughs> so, yeah. So, so they ultimately, so they started with the Alice, um, you know, c- comedies here. They, they were well received, I think, because like you said, it was something like nobody's ever seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, so they started making them. They hired, you know, Ub Iwerks. They hired him in, in 1924. They convinced him to move out to LA from from Kansas city and they were kind of really rolling and you know, everything was going well. Again, they weren't making a ton of money. Um, you know, they were getting 15, $1,800 for each Alice they produced. I think they signed a contract to make like 26 of them, like some insane number. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the stress of trying to produce them, they had to produce one every three weeks. So they had to hire so many animators that the cost of it, was wow. barely what they made back. And they basically, whenever they animated back then, they had to like just draw the character and then draw the character again, right? Just in a slightly different position. Like, oh, yes. That's, they it, it had was to all, stitch all those together. It was all hand animated. And I think at this point, they were animating each individual cell. Again, Walt, as the innovator, you know, they kind of pioneered some new animation techniques. But that um, probably came later. Yeah. So like whenever they got into, into Bambi and Snow White and some things, you know, they invented kind of like a, a multi-plane camera and, and different ways to different animate shortcuts. the cells. Not even shortcuts, but it, that's what kind of, you know, gave it the 3D effect, the way okay. they filmed it and everything. So, but yeah, at this point, you know, they're hand drawing, they're hand painting everything. So an oh animator would draw it and it's on a, it's on a cell. And then they had somebody that would go in and paint every individual movie cell. And then they oh would goodness. roll that in front of, you know, a camera and record it. So I mean, yeah, it's a, that's an insane amount of work. Yeah, it's a very labor-intensive and expensive you process. Must really love what you're doing if right. you, you're doing right. that. Yeah, and I mean, and Walt really did. So, so they so they weren't making a ton of money, and they tried to renegotiate the deal. Now, at this point, uh, Margaret's husband, Charles Mintz, had kind of um, it, had married Margaret. He'd come into the business, so he was kind of taking over, and he wasn't as friendly um with them and <laughs> that's that's a nice way to put it yeah and so walt and kind of his relationship was strained and it seemed like every time they would renegotiate like the deals got worse for disney like they seemed to be making less money mm-hmm. um and so it, it kind of got to the point where it kind of came to a head right yeah and the, at the alice you know it wasn't working really and you know charles thought these alice comedies are on their way out they need to do something else you know Walt wanted to do more kind of traditional animation. Mm-hmm. So they created a new character, uh, Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, and that was that that was going okay, but eventually they ended up having a falling out with Mince, which caused Disney to actually lose control of the character. They split ways, they parted ways, and at this point, Ub was just like, we're never going to work with a character again that we don't own the rights to. Right. And it, and so, and stepping back just a quick second. So Oswald the Lucky Rabbit debuted in 1927 in Trolley Troubles. Um, and to your point, like you said, it, it was 
doing well. Universal released it, but a year later, with the falling out, it, it turned out that Walt and Ub, even though they created the character, didn't have the the rights to it. That the agreement with Mintz said you don't own the rights to this. So he basically, um, kind of called the the trademark and copyright and said, "Hey, I own this. I'm not going to let you produce this. I'll make this myself." And not only that, but to add insult to injury, he hired essentially the entire animation yeah, team. Yeah, he he hired out from underneath. It was kind of like a you know an early Katy Perry, uh, Taylor Swift situation. You know, stealing stealing dancers and things. <laughs> It's exactly like Katy Perry and Taylor Swift. I'm surprised there's not a Bad Blood song about this. So That's actually the original Bad Blood song was recorded by Walt Disney. Yeah. I don't know if you know that. Hashtag alternative facts. So, so I mean, this is kind of like, you know, in early, in, in Disney's uh, early history, kind of like a corporate boardroom battle. Um, and, you know, if, if you really follow kind of the Walt Disney Company, you know there have been similar uh you know well-publicized boardroom battles when um Roy's son tried to take back the company from Michael Eisner uh in the early 2000s when Bob Iger took over um you know when Michael Eisner took over himself it was you know kind of this whole boardroom battle for you know wrestling control away from you know kind of um uh, Disney's son-in-law and things like that. Do, so. you, do you think that whenever they battled, they had like uh, like Hamilton-style rap battles, um, like the cabinet battles? I think that's exactly what it was like. I think that's oh my how, gosh! I think this... that's in corporate America. I think that's how every disagreement is settled with a Hamilton-style rap battle. Yeah, I think that I think we need to produce a YouTube series of of the Disney rap battles for power. That's not, yeah, that's not, that's not a terrible idea. No, not, not really. Though now everybody listening is going to do it way before us. Yeah, they're going to so. do it way that's before us. I'm way better than just us. Just send us a royalty you know what? check. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. send us a royalty yeah, check. Yeah, yeah. TM, TM. But also just make sure you also, you know, put the word out there about Enchanted Ears podcast. Get us some, right. some free just pub. Right, idea from that and then uh, yeah. send us a small royalty check. So Yeah. But so, so getting back to Oswald. Yeah, so they... They ended up losing all the animators upstate, um, and they went over. It's quiet upstate. I'm sorry. I don't know what's going on. So they, so they all went with Mints, and they created more Oswald um, cartoons for Universal. Now, what is I found very funny? So researching this, so Disney actually gained the rights back to Oswald the Lucky Rabbit in 2006. <laughs> so he's at he's at the parks. If you go there, he's. He's at Disneyland, I know for sure. I don't know if they have him at Disney World yet. But they, how they got it is hilarious. They traded. It's basically like a Pokemon style trade situation they have going for I was Oswald. Thinking, yeah, I mean, kind of like, yeah, but they traded Oswald. Or like a sports. They traded the rights to Oswald for the rights to Al Michaels, <laughs> who was an announcer. At the time, he was an announcer for ESPN. And they had gotten Monday Night Football, and NBC had gotten Sunday Night Football. And NBC wanted Al Michaels to do Sunday Night Football, but he was still under contract. And so Bob Iger said, we'll trade you Al Michaels for Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, which I find hilarious. I don't know how Al Michaels had yeah, to feel. Yeah, how did he feel about this? Basically, all he's worth to Disney is some character from 80 years ago that nobody even really remembered. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, at the time, Universal wasn't making 
Oswald cartoons. I mean, not yeah. nobody had made anything since you know the 20s and 30s. And I read something by the then president at, of ESPN. He wrote an article about this, about how Bob Iger called him and said, hey, I'd be willing to give up Al Michaels, but I want Oswald. And he said, who's Oswald? <laughs> you know, and Bob Iger knew how important he was to, to Disney history. And he was kind of one of the first, he was the first original character that was created. But then, you know, the, the former president of ESPN kind of goes on to say that he called um, the head of NBC Universal and said, hey, you can have Al Michaels, but we want Oswald. And his response was, Okay, but who's Oswald? And they, like, <laughs> like nobody seemed to know who it this was. This actually sounds like a great deal because I don't even know what you want. Yeah, but but they got it all done. But I just, I mean, I find that fascinating that they trade a person for an for, animated yeah, character. Yeah, for an animated character that is an act because usually you only ever see trades, like you said, in like sports or something. Like you trade or you Pokemon. Know, yeah, or Pokemon. <laughs> but like one because team- that's what you know. Again. We're, we're dorks. One team, one team trades, you know, a player to another team, but you never see in real life like people trading companies. Or, or if you're the pirates, you just you just trade for a pack of gum. Like, hey, here you can have Andrew McCutcheon. We just want a, like a, a case full of extra a gum. So, can we have the polar ice flavor? Thanks. So yeah, but it's just it's it's just it's really funny that that they would do that. So o- Oswald eventually um, did come back, but like you were saying. This kind of, you know, gave Walt and Ub the idea, hey, we're going to create our own character, you know, for ourselves and we're going to make sure from now on we own them. So at the, in Smart the, move. yeah, in the late 20s, this is where everybody's favorite mouse, Mortimer. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Mickey Wait, uh, came in. It's, it's so. like a, like an alternate reality situation. Yeah, so so that was actually uh, that was actually you know Walt wanted Mortimer as the name for Mickey and his wife Lillian thought it was too pretentious. <laughs> so I think I don't like it because Mort is um, you know in Spanish means death. So I think that that might be there. You go. I don't think they were thinking of that at the time. Well, I would yeah. say Mortimer is definitely a very 1920s old timey name. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I was reading over some of this stuff, and it's like these people's names. I'm like, wow. These are uh, like Elias, his, 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 uh, his parents, what were they? Elias and his mom's name was Flora. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Elias and Flora. Yeah. So, so it was almost named Mortimer as with any kind of great product or character that kind of transcends multiple generations. There's always conflicting stories about where it was created, who actually (laughs) created it and things. So, Kind of the the basic story goes that do you have the train story? Yeah, so that, that on on their way back on a train ride, they kind of came up with this Mickey Mouse character, and the and the idea goes back to and this is kind of where you know there's some conflict. So uh, some you know sources say that Walt always loved the idea of a of a mouse because when he was working at his ad agency and at the Laughograms. They had kind of like a pet mouse in the building. Not so much that they kept as a pet. Wait, yeah, I was going to say, this isn't like a mouse in a, like a fish tank. This is like, there was one in the wall and they just decided like, hey, you're going to be our friend. Right, Because right. we can't get rid of you. And also, you are you are really cute. Like people who are afraid of mice, they I don't understand why. Yeah. They're so, so cute. So. I so, mean, they do carry like diseases and things. Yeah. But. <laughs> so, so that's kind of one story. Um, you know, I, there's been other reports. I think Lillian has said that 
they thought a, a, a mouse would be cute to animate. You know, they mm-hmm. thought it would just be cute, and that's why they picked it. They have really big ears. Um, and- there was a lot, you know, at the time, there was a lot of cats being animated. Mm-hmm. Oswald was a rat. That's why they made him a rabbit, because they didn't want to do a cat. So, uh, yeah, I'm not sure, you know, exactly why, you know, it, like I said, it's kind of, you know, up for grabs. Anything this popular is going to have multiple stories. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, kind of the main idea was that they came up with the idea and that Ub, you know, really kind of threw himself into drawing and perfecting this character. Yeah. And I didn't know this uh, until I had read the Walt Disney biography, but Walt actually voiced Mickey. Oh yeah. You didn't tell me that. Yeah. Up until like in the, into the forties when, um, from years and years of chain smoking, his (laughs) voice, he felt like he couldn't do the voice anymore. Oh, kids. (laughs) Eventually would be what Hey, hey, Joe! Can you can you do your Mickey Mickey Mouse impress- impression right now? I can try. Hey, kids! Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, kids! It's Mickey. I don't think that's awful. Joe thinks it's really good, and I like to hear him do it. I don't think it's awful, but but I mean, it's not the worst thing yeah, ever. So I kind of do a better goofy. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> very limited very limited but your range is incredible thank you thank you so so they created mickey and and they started you know right away creating a couple shorts um they had they started with playing crazy and then the galloping gancho were the first two they created they were silent films and they were flops <laughs> i was gonna say i don't even see anything about them on my sources yeah, so they, they created them, they screened them, and nobody wanted to pick them up to distribute them. So mm-hmm. it was actually not until the third one when they created Steamboat Willie. that Steamboat Willie? Hmm, that sounds familiar. Yeah, have you heard of that one before? <laughs> that it actually picked up. Now, what made Steamboat Willie stand out was that it had sound. Yeah, well, these are the Silly Symphonies, right? No, this is, no, this is before the Silly Symphonies. So... This was right around when the jazz singer came out, which was the first major movie mm-hmm. to have sound with it. And again, Walt being kind of the visionary that he was said, we need to put sound in cartoons. Now there, I believe I saw somewhere there was one other cartoon that had sound, but it wasn't sunk up at all. Mm-hmm. So there was just sound playing. And then there was a, a cartoon playing. Nice. Walt. This was kind of like the revelation of putting fireworks with music. Yeah. So Walt, again, threw as much money as he had to at this and hired an orchestra and a composer. He had to fly to New York because this was the only place he could record it. He licensed technology to basically create a click track that was completely sunk up to the animation. What do you mean by click track? So it was it was sunk up. They used a click track to sync it up to the animation. So So like a metronome? Yeah. So what was going on in Steamboat Willie mirrored the sound. So they used sound for comedic effect. Yeah. So Mickey would do something and the sound would happen, but it would always happen in sync. And so people loved it uh-huh. because it, because it had sound. So and they did the skeleton dance at this time too. Did you ever see that? We, well, I'm yeah. Pretty so sure that, that's, that's on... the silly symphony. So that, that came out a little bit after this. So the success of Steamboat Willie People picked the, that one got distributed, so that's technically the first um, Mickey Mouse cartoon. Even though that's the third one that they created, mm-hmm. that was the first. That's 
a lot of people the first one to one meet the, commercial success. Well, no, that was the first one distributed. Oh, so okay. that so that's actually the first one. And then because that did so well, they went back and added sound to Plain Crazy and the Gallop and Goncho, and then those were eventually released. Okay. And then so and then you know from there, Mickey kind of just built in popularity because it was something, you know, mm-hmm. it had sound and it was something so different. It, it was a pioneer for the exactly for the. Um, animation exactly and then as you said that the silly symphony in 1929 so this is kind of right at the end of the decade here we're coming up to they had the skeleton dance so again they ca- play this on don't they play this on the um magical express i swear i've seen this before because I, I, I pulled it up play, on youtube and i'm like i have seen this before i think they play like playing crazy they, they do play some of these original ones yeah on the magical express whenever you're you're driving down to disney world um, but yeah, but again, so they, they did the silly symphonies and in order to get those sold, Walt basically had to, you know, guarantee the distributors, they'd have the rights to Mickey mouse as well. Cause Mickey was by, by and large, the more popular of the two, mm-hmm. but the silly symphonies was a way for them to try new things, try new animation techniques. Um, similar to how Pixar does with their Pixar shorts, mm-hmm. you know, they use the shorts to try stuff. They kind yeah. of use the silly symphonies to try things. So they got those sold because Mickey Mouse was so successful. Nice. Very good. So that's, like I said, so that's basically kind of the 1920s. That's the end of the decade. The other little uh, trivia fact is in 1927, the first of the nine old men. Um, so if you know about Disney, the nine old men of animation, they were kind of the original, you know, main nine uh, guys that worked with Walt and kind of ran the studio. So Les Clark, he was the first one hired uh, in the Disney company and he started in 1927. So the rest of them didn't start until like the early thirties. So again, I mean, a lot happened in the twenties, mm-hmm. but again, a lot, a lot of it was foundation. Yeah. A lot didn't happen. I mean, it wasn't until 1928 that Mickey mouse, um, was created. So well, it's really fun to see how it started, how it all came together. Right. Yeah. And it's, I mean, and like I said, we haven't even gotten to, to snow white and some, you know, when they start doing full length movies, which is interesting because, you know, all you ever hear, you think about now when you think of Disney, you think of Mickey Mouse, so he started in the 20s, but you think of all their successful movies and kind of this huge corporation where in the 20s, Walt had one failed business. I mean, Disney was constantly, the Disney Brothers series was constantly on life support I mean, he, all through the 20s. He's definitely a really good lesson for everyone and uh, just that, you know, failures are just little tiny stepping stones to success. You can't just quit when you fail. You have to keep going and keep persevering if you think that you have something that's worthwhile. You know, you can put that put your put everything that you learn together and eventually create a really good product if you stick with it. Right. Exactly. Yeah, don't you know, don't let, you know, kind of these minor failures. Yeah, failures or inconveniences kind of get in your way. Yeah, he kept, he persevered ultimately, you know, it worked out. So that's kind of, you know, wrapped up the the first decade. Like I said, we'll, you know, periodically be doing these episodes. So the next one we'll be doing is is the 1930s and then kind of going all the way through um, today and just kind of looking at, like we said, the different accomplishments, failures uh, and different things of the Disney company and you know, how we got from, the, you know, the start in the 1920s to, to where we are now where Disney's this, you know, mega corporation with with box office success, TV success, a new streaming service coming out. We talked about, you know, theme parks, um, all over the world. I mean, at this point, theme park was like a, probably not even a twinkle in, in Walt's eye, Disneyland <laughs> or anything. So, 
so it, you know it's it's really interesting to to kind of walk through this. So uh, hopefully you enjoyed the episode. Um, make sure you follow us on Facebook, Enchanted Ears Podcast, or Instagram. We're at Enchanted Ears Podcast. Subscribe, leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know how you what you guys think of us. Um, you know we always appreciate feedback. So you know yeah, any, let, any feedback you have, make sure you subscribe. Tell all your friends. Tell your friends. Tell all your enemies. Tell put put it up put it up on b- billboards. You know, if you have sure, put it up on billboards. <laughs> and remember, whenever you start that Disney rap battle YouTube, that you gotta give up give uh, Enchanteers credit. Send us our royalty checks. Yeah, exactly. Contact us. We'll let you know where to send those checks to. Exactly. So, <laughs> but just want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks, and have, have a, a magical, magical day. day.